Ho, ho, hello, and welcome to SMPD Listeners, the podcast where we look back on the cartoons that shape our childhood. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, my Christmas companion, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. Looking very festive in his elf jumper. This is probably about the one time of year you're going to see Mark look festive. So let's all celebrate it together, listeners. It is Christmas time again. We're looking back at yet another Christmas special. Uh, and this time we're busting out a 1980s classic that feels like, well, it has been around for pretty much my entire life. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it came out after I was born, but not by uh, much, not by much. And it's always been around at yeah. Christmas for me, basically. So we're looking back at Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah, no, I'm the same. This has been around for fucking eons. I'm, I I remember watching this when I was really small. Um, and again, it was another one that was on TV. We taped it off the TV and we used to bust it out every year. Um, and then I think when I, so either when I went away to uni or when I went to, um, when I did my, when I went to Newport to do the Masters, um, I was given a, like a proper copy uh, on DVD. Um, and yeah, this comes out all the time. And then obviously uh, with it being on Disney Plus now as well, it's one of those, it's, it's easy enough to just whack on. Um, I say Sunday, we're putting up, the, uh, yeah, Sunday we were decorating the tree and it was on in the background. We had that. Then we had Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. Then we had The Grinch. And then we rented off a Home Alone. So it was, a, it was a good day at Christmas TV. But this was the very first one that went on. Shout out to Once Upon a Christmas and to a lesser extent, Twice Upon a Christmas as well, actually. Yeah. Both very good modern Christmas specials. Once yes. Upon a Christmas, especially. Highly recommended both of those listeners yeah. if you haven't seen them. Um, but yeah, like all of the Christmas specials we've looked back on have been around for our entire lives. Yeah. Um, it's just that this one... I think is one of the earliest that I remember and so therefore has always been there. like you know when we watched The Grinch I said that is absolutely the one I watch every year I don't necessarily watch Mickey's Christmas Carol every single year but it's always around and in fact it was such I remember especially in the early 80s like this was such a huge part of Christmas like it felt like and even now you know Christmas decorations and things have always been a thing for the Disney company you know even now if you walk into uh, the supermarket at the moment both Tesco and Asda's are selling Disney Christmas decorations I've got a tree downstairs full of them that I've gathered from the parks you know Christmas has always been a thing but now these decorations all kind of they take on kind of a bit of a life of their own like particularly in the the Disney store this year there's a Walt's Holiday Lodge theme to everything you know mine downstairs is a disparate collection of like Nightmare Before Christmas and Ratatouille and Mickey and Minnie and all sorts of things but in the early 80s, like any time you saw Disney and Christmas, it was Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah. And for the longest time, you know, this was what I actually thought a Christmas Carol was. Yeah. Like, like before I actually knew it was a book, before I knew it was a thing, like I thought this was a Christmas Carol. I thought it was a fucking Mickey Mouse cartoon because that's what I had seen. Yeah, I, I was the same. And um, it's quite funny that I, I put it on a Sunday. Um, one, because it's Christmas and I was going to put it on anyway, too, because we were doing this uh, this episode tonight. And three, because the kids were going to see um, a, rep- a version of the Christmas Carol with the school um, on okay. Monday. So I thought, right, I better you know, prepare them for it, because you know, it depends on how they do it. And how, I mean, obviously, it was designed for kids, but depending on how they do it, the ghosts can be a bit scary. Um, my kids are both fucking wimps. Um, so I thought, right, I better prepare them for it. But yeah, I was the same. That's the, this is what I thought a Christmas Carol was mm. until I was really old enough to know better. And even yeah, then, yeah, yeah. you know, not so much. Me too. I mean, for a good, you know, 
just in the early part of my life, this was a Christmas Carol. Then we got Scrooged in the late eighties, um, yeah. and, and I, I still didn't quite twig. I don't think I was still like, oh, this is like Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, it took um, me a while with that one as well. If I'm honest, I think it was probably it was only when I saw the Muppets Christmas Carol that I'd have been took the words out of my mouth. I'd have probably been about ten or eleven at that point. Um, I would have been I, eleven, so you would have been slightly younger than that. I saw, I remember seeing Muppets. But I mean, Christmas I, I, Carol I probably didn't release. see it when it when it first came yeah, out. Yeah. I think I, was, I think it was a couple of years later, so I'd have been about ten or eleven as well. And it was only then I thought, hang on, it's the same story. And then it was like, right, okay, yeah, ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. Yep, me too. Um, that probably says a lot about our generation, maybe yeah. about us, and maybe about the area that we grew up in as well. Having said that, you know, whilst whilst we neither of us grew up in a particularly affluent area, like I, I was always a big reader, so you'd think that at some point a Christmas Carol would have hit my radar, but it mm. just always seemed like it was this thing. I'm now the like adaptations of Christmas Carol, they you throw a fucking rock and you hit yeah. one. Like there's new ones out every year. You mentioned the kids are going to see when it's constantly being put on. Um, you know, you see new versions touring every year. Last year they had um, one that you could stream uh, yeah. with Andrew Lincoln in. You know, there's, there's all of these various adaptations. But I mean, for us as kids, like look, I wasn't going to the theater as a kid. Like, I love to now. But fuck me, we like we couldn't afford to go to the fucking theatre. Well, well, that was it. It was one of those, you know, it was a very rare thing. And there, even even if you were going, there wasn't a lot on that was for kids. You'd have, oh. a, pan, you'd have a panto. Yeah, yeah which I, fucking, I hate pantos with a passion, even um, did as a kid. So yeah. I wasn't one of those. For me, but you had those. And then occasionally you get something that was put on through, like a, a, a local theatre company would do it. And they'd give, like, them. All the local schools would get to go to like a matinee on a Wednesday or something like that. Now, yeah, now we did those. I, I distinctly remember two that we went to. Um, I was under 10, I think, watching both of these. One, I still think, is one of the best experiences I've ever had in the theatre in my life. And I can only remember one very specific scene from it. But it stayed with me, stayed with me my entire life because we saw Super Ted live on stage. Right. And there was a point where Super Ted fucking flew from the top of the new theatre down onto the stage. And it was, yeah. to this day, like, obviously Mandela effects got something to do with yeah. this. I've no doubt it looked absolutely shit. Yeah. But as a kid... As a kid, Super Ted flying, in real life. Fucking amazing. I think right? I saw the same thing in the ground in Swansea. Yeah, fucking amazing. So there was that, and then we at least, still under 10, we went to see Lord of the Flies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what you want to be showing 10-year-olds. Both school trips. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Um, so, so, yeah, didn't go to the theatre a lot. Um, didn't go to the cinema that much. It was always like a real treat to go yeah. to the cinema. We used to go to our local cinema. If I went, like, into Cardiff, to what I would call the big cinema, um, that was like, I can remember doing that about three times. You know, as a yeah. kid, it was always like the local Miners Welfare Hall, which would have films like six, seven, eight months after release sometimes, yeah. because that's how it was then, kids. So to be exposed to all of these different version of Christmas Carol just wasn't a thing so yeah as a kid I think there were three there was this then there was Scrooge and then Muppets Christmas Carol which for all the versions there are today as far as I'm concerned and I will fight anyone on this is the definitive adaptation of the Charles yeah. Dickens original now, it I'm, is very faithful yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of it um I did have a slight disagreement with number one yesterday when she said it was boring so I know we have one I know when you have one child yeah I mean that's <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with her I don't know. Um, we were talking about it, and that's what we were talking about um, having watched Mickey's Christmas Carol on, on Sunday, and she really enjoyed it, and she really enjoyed the version they went to see with school. But the Muppets version was boring, apparently. I said, fuck me. Now, how, how'd you get to that? 
especially after having seen an adaptation on stage. Yeah. Which, like, look, The Muppets Christmas Carol is extremely faithful. It's yeah. like almost slavishly so. Like, yes, it's got Muppets in it, yeah. but it is very, very close to the text. Yeah. Um, especially the original before they cut out all the stuff with Belle as well. Very, very close to the text. So if even if you see the best possible stage production, surely The Muppets Christmas Carol just becomes that... But with Muppets. Muppets. Well, yeah, this this is my thing, and I th- but I think from from her perspective, and I will try and defend her slightly, is that she doesn't have a great attention span. Like she'll watch episodes of stuff, and she'll like she she can sit through about forty minutes of a film, but then I mean, it gets a bit um, yeah sit, sitting still. She's eight, you know. Yeah. Um. So I think it's kind of more that more of that, whereby I said the Mickey Christmas Carol is like what twenty six, twenty seven minutes. Yes. Um. The thing the thing they saw in school was about an hour. But she was with her friends, and if they weren't really watching it, no, it's not really the end of the world, sort of thing. Whereas, no, the Muppets is considerably longer, so I think that might have something to do with it. And I think as she gets older, I think she, she'll possibly appreciate that more, uh, just because of, of the sense of humour she's got. Which I think, yeah, when it when it hits her, she'll she'll really embrace it. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, for now, I only have one child. Yeah, I mean, Muppets Christmas Carol tops out with some eighty some odd minutes. I some, think. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, thank God she didn't watch the original then with the bell stuff in as well, because that's a whole extra song, which I personally think should be in there and will argue all day long for it. But yeah, yeah, it was taken out because kids were getting fucking bored during the middle section of the film, which I will admit does sag a little. Does slow a bit, yeah. But that's not the filmmaker's fault. That's the text. And they stick to it. All right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, having said all of that, one thing that they do here is basically just fucking obliterate the middle section of the text entirely. Yep. Don't really bother with it. Um, which I'm thankful for because, let's be fair, Daisy Duck's playing the bell role. And if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you know my fucking thoughts on Daisy Duck. <laughs> All right? So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to give credit, actually. I mean, I'm, as I say, quite familiar with, with the text now, with, with the original, um, with the Dickens novel. Um, but I think giving it its props, knowing what it's doing and knowing its audience the way Disney does or did uh, did at the time they were doing this, I think they realised very quickly that actually the the bulk of the stuff you're going to get out of the story comes from seeing him before and seeing him after. The bit with the ghosts, so the, the, the whole stretch in the middle, they've, they've condensed it into about seven or eight minutes. And actually that's probably enough for the, for the type of thing they're creating. You wouldn't want it any longer than that because it would make the rest of it feel too too condensed. Um, as As a writer... Um, and as a filmmaker as well part of the reason and I think I may have talked about this on the podcast before I'm not sure if not this one probably over on Mario Bros part of the reason I went through a whole Disney renaissance and part of the reason why now I I will argue blind with anyone that Walt Disney is possibly the greatest filmmaker that has ever lived um, is because of the natural instinct of storytelling that stemmed with Walt and has carried on particularly through the animation studios uh, legacy of the company uh, which is the one thing that Disney animation does better than anyone else, and I mean this, anyone else, is brevity of storytelling. Like, yeah. they absolutely, if it is not important, yeah. it does not make it in, because especially in these days, this shit was expensive. I was going to say, I think... That, drawing frames that you don't use. I was, was going to say, I think that's kind of where it came from, and like even now, when you, when you do your, model, your computer modelling and stuff, it's, it's, it's different, but it's still time-consuming. And if you're not going to use it, there's no fucking point in, 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 in creating it in the first place because it's just time, effort and money that could yeah. go on something else. And so you're right. I think that there's an argument that says, look, actually, we know we're not going to use it. There's, there, there's very little. If you watch um, sort of the, the, the DVD extras and stuff for, for any of the Disney stuff, when they've got deleted scenes, 
it's hand-drawn sketches that don't move, just with the voice over the top. Yeah, they're, they're just animatics that have been binned. They haven't even gone yeah. to ink and paint normally. They just yeah. this isn't working. And and actually, that's more of a recent thing as well. Uh, that that tends to be more with the sort of the second generation of Disney films, if you like, the Renaissance stuff, which. Yeah. Where some stuff was getting computer generated um because again you know if it's computer generated you've got a little bit more to work with in terms of oh i'm going to bin that it's not working like way yeah. back in Walt's era and again this is why i will herald him as one of the, he's just one of the greatest storytellers that has ever lived all right i'm just putting that on front street now and that's because before anything before anyone put a pen to fucking paper they would have hours and hours and days of days and storyboard meetings of just yeah. walt with sketches up on a wall talking through it with his entire team just and they, he would act it out he would go all the way through it and anything that wasn't landing anything that wasn't needed came out then when it yeah. was just rough sketches on a page yeah because at that point and it doesn't cost you anything it and anything that needed to go in you know if it was sagging if they needed more gags business is what called it then they would put it in there by the time it really properly got into production these stories were nailed on right and you can watch any early Disney film you like, okay? And everybody's got their own opinions of what's a good one, what's a bad one. You know, even in my opinion, one of the worst Disney films ever made, Sleeping Beauty, um, which was started to come towards the end of that early period anyway, still has that real economy of storytelling. Yeah. All right, now I have issues with the characters in Sleeping Beauty. I don't have issues with the storytelling. Yeah. All right, the, the economy of storytelling is there and everything in that film works and it tells you a complete story in just over an hour and change. Yeah. And that's remarkable. And that's something that Mickey's Christmas Carol manages to do as well. It manages to yeah. take the original text and yes, it's not as faithful as say The Muppets is because it does adapt. As again, we talk about a lot. You don't have to stay close to the text. Yeah. In fact, you should adapt it. And this does. There are bits that we don't need. And so they just go, yeah, fuck it off. We don't need that. Don't worry yeah. about it. You know, especially it, pretty much every adaptation and because it's in the book as well, you know, the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come is always quite a quick segment yeah. because by that point, I mean, Scrooge has changed really yes. by by the time you get to Act Two, by the time you get to um, the the end of the Ghost of Christmas Past, he's already on the road to redemption. Yeah, like it, you know, everything everything after that point is just cementing it. So you don't really need a lot of stuff from uh, the Ghost of Christmas yet to come. Yeah, and they recognise that, and so they just they skip through that. They skip yeah, through it's, to it's say the whole. Effectively that bit. Yeah, they skip through the Ghost of Christmas Present pretty much as well. They still have. You know, you still get the Fezziwig's Christmas party. I nearly said Fozziwig's then. Um, <laughs> that's how well that is ingrained in me. <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, I, I think the only thing, in fact, that I take now uh, post Muppets, I take from this as opposed to Muppets Christmas Carol. And this is quickly becoming a Muppets Christmas Carol podcast. So we need to get back on the yeah. topic here. But the only thing I take from this as opposed to the Muppets is actually Scrooge McDuck, because because this was my first exposure, really, to that character, yeah. I cannot see any other iteration, and I cannot even hear the word Scrooge yeah. without thinking of Scrooge McDuck. Like, yeah. that is the, the definitive portrayal of Ebenezer Scrooge for me, just because it was the first, and it's a yes. good one, yeah. is the thing. So that's the character distilled for me. And, of course, then that would be cemented by DuckTales later on. Yeah. And even when he was popping up in DuckTales, you know, when that was a thing, it was like, oh, it's Scrooge from Christmas Carol. At that point, it wasn't, oh, it's Uncle Scrooge. It's, no, yeah. it's Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. Yeah. So DuckTales, for me, early on, was a series about Scrooge from A Christmas Carol going on a bunch of adventures with a load of nephews that didn't appear in the film. Yeah. 
So it was all a bit of a head fuck. Um, but that's the main thing I take from this. I think everything else now, rewatching it, and this, I didn't watch it last year. I think I did watch it the year before. Um, and and uh, this is this is something that I dip in and out, you know. I, and I, I think come back to watch it now. So it's not something that's ever really been away, but it's not something I watch as regular as like The, the Grinch or Charlie Brown Christmas and, and some of the other things that we, we've talked about. Um, and I think coming back to it now in rewatching this, that was one of the first things, looking at it with a critical eye that I took out of it, is that actually... You know, there's a lot of this which and I, and I don't mean this as a criticism, OK, because especially when something's been adapted as much as a Christmas Carol has, yeah. then it's, it's inevitable that, that things are going to meld together at once. But so much of this now, unfortunately, feels a little bit redundant to me in, in the watching of it, because and I mean, it probably didn't help that I literally watched the Muppets the night before. Yeah, probably. So not. that probably didn't help. Um, and I watched Nightmare Before Christmas the night after. So not that that's an adaptation of Christmas Carol, but it is my no. favorite movie of all time. And so that, sandwich that's, in that's this what I'm middle. doing after this. Yes. When we finish recording, it's on my, it's on this ready queued up, ready to go. Sandwich in this in the middle probably gave it a bit of a bad rap. Um, yeah, to be fair, of, of the three, it's probably the weakest. It definitely is, in my opinion. Uh, but that's not to say this is bad. And I mm. don't want to come down on this at all because it's not bad. It is still excellent. It was excellent then and it's still excellent now. Um but yeah, that was one of the first things that jumped out to me is as I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm really enjoying this, but yeah. I saw all of this yesterday and I saw it all better. Um, now, look, I've, I've no doubt there are people out there who will argue the other way. You know, they yeah. they will prefer this to the Muppets. Number one, for instance, no doubt will, because yeah. it's fucking shorter. And yeah. maybe she responds better to Mickey Mouse and, and Goofy and Scrooge McDuck than she does yeah. to Kermit and Piggy and Rizzo and Gonzo. Yeah. You know, so horses for courses here because we're essentially telling the same story. Yeah, that's right. And I think that for me, that that's probably you, you touched on there. The, the fact that this was this was the first one. It's it, there's always an association thing. If, you know, somebody tell, somebody talks to me about Christmas Carol. My first thought is this, and then it'll wander to Muppets, and then to the book, and then to yeah. any of the other adaptations. Now that's pretty disrespectful to the book, but fuck it. That's kind of that's that's fuck the era we grew up in. Yeah. That's the era we grew up in. You know, I mean, certainly. You know, I mean. I, I, I wasn't a huge, a huge reader as a child. I read a lot more now than I, than I ever used to. Um, but that's no, I mean, we were from an area that celebrated books a great deal. You know, we, yeah. we, had a, we had a library that was always fucking closed um, yeah. because there's, there was no need to it for any, you know, there was no staff there because they never needed them. So, you know, it was, it's, it's, no, that was it. You know, we, we had stuff that was on TV that we didn't have pre-recorded shit. So we literally had what we'd recorded off the TV and this was it. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I, Whenever I think of Christmas Carol, this is this is the first thing that jumps out. Yeah, and I, 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 I don't know whether I don't know whether I prefer this or the Muppets. I can't quite tell because I because they, they mean different things to me. Yeah, you have a, um, you have a deep rooted connection with this. Yeah, um, and I think that the I mean Muppets in general is it's no it's probably my first great love. Um, not uh, Muppets in general, not Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, so there's always going to be that affinity there as well. But I don't, and I, I find it very difficult. I remember having this conversation um, a couple of years ago um, with, with Tori and, and, with, and with Jess that actually, no, I can't pick a winner between these two. They're both excellent in, in their own way. But to try and compare them makes it, it, it's very difficult because they're not the same product, even though it's the same story. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is, if nothing else, you know, and we've banged on about this a lot over all of the podcasts, but especially over on Game of Moans. But if, if nothing else, this is the perfect example, you know, looking at these two together of how different an adaptation can be. Yeah. We talked about it over on Mario as well when we looked at the, the Gus Van Sant Psycho remake. Yeah. You know, and it is that thing like, yes, this is the same story, but told in a different way. Mm. And 
you know, oddly for me, like you mentioned, the Muppets being your first great love, and I, I adore the Muppets as well, but more than anything, I'm a huge Disney person, absolutely huge Disney person, as I've just banged on about for the last five minutes. And so to, to take that and to add in the gang, you know, to add in Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Donald, not Daisy, Hawk, uh, but to add, to add all of these in um, should be like, that should be it for me. That should, that should be like, yeah, the Muppets is good, but this is better because it's all of this. Yeah. You know? um, but I don't know. I, I think there's something so special about Muppets for me that this just doesn't tick those boxes. But I say, I, I don't want this to be a Muppets podcast because it's about Mickey's Christmas Carol. And and I don't want to dump on this because of that, because I did enjoy this, you know, and I, and I do still have a lot to bring yeah. to it as a Disney fan. You know, when you look at, you know, we've got voices here in that you just don't get any more, yeah. right? Because sadly the people are gone and we're talking about some of the absolute greats here, Yeah, you know, um, you know, we've also though, weirdly, I mean, and this is another thing that, I think it sets it in a point in time with me, despite the fact that I I saw this a lot uh, as a child, mm. as I say. Um, and I think probably early on, it was also like what I thought Mickey Mouse and Goofy and everything was, you know, like prior yeah. to even Mickey Shorts. I thought like this is what, because we got a lot of these, especially around Christmas time, we would get yeah. like, this was on ITV every year, but rather than getting like sort of the Mickey Shorts and the Silly Symphonies and stuff like that, and, and even then, you know, the Warner Brothers stuff and the Merry Melodies and things like that, we would get a lot of like, we would get Mickey's Christmas Carol. I distinctly remember we used to get Prince and the Pauper all the time as well. Yeah. So, you know, I saw Mickey in these kind of things rather than in, in the shorts. Mm. Um, and, and so this should be my first instinctual memories yeah. of those characters. All right. And, and whilst was perhaps, you know, the likes of, of Mickey and Scrooge and everybody still sound fairly consistent one thing that always grabs me whenever i watch this now is just how different goofy sounds yeah. because it's not bill farmer and bill farmer didn't start voicing goofy until the late 80s early 90s i think probably like 88 89 i don't know um but his voice is so intrinsically linked to that character for me yeah. now because he's done it since and because you know as again previously mentioned, I'm such a huge fan of that character and of Goof Troop especially. Yeah. I find it difficult hearing that kind of lower pitched goofy that yeah. we get in this. I, I find it, it, it and, I, and I know he's Marley's ghost here as well. So you could maybe argue there's narrative reasons for it, but it's not that at all. It's simply that there's a change there's of a voice actor. Voice. Yeah. But it, it just sounds odd to me. You know, and, yeah. and that's no no disrespect to the voice actor, it's Hal Smith who is who is wonderful. Yeah. And you know, again, it, likewise you can show me any Winnie the Pooh cartoon that he's not in and I go well hang on a minute something's wrong yeah. um but I don't think it's always whenever I watch it it's all going great guns for me until Goofy shows up and I go hang on a minute Who's something's that? wrong I, and then it takes me out to a point where it, I, I've got a minute before I'm back in because mm. I'm like that's not my Goofy what's yeah. going on and the, the problem with that is that because it is so brief I mean it's, it's like 26 27 minutes I think uh, it runs to so if it, if you're pulled out for a minute in what is effectively the the climax of Act One, yeah, it's where where we're set, you know, we're setting up the rest of our story. You can't afford to lose that time. And I think that for me, um, in in watching it, that was a bit where certainly so watching it with um, with the kids on on Sunday, that was a bit where they really engaged because that's a bit where you see you know you know the door knocker changes. So all of a sudden you've got this fit. You know, I know it's it's animated, but you've got this physical comedy. 
you yeah. have a shadow creeping up the stairs behind him, all this sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, and that's a great bit. That's, it's, it's that's a fantastic, one of the best it's a fantastic bit. Yeah, the goofy shadow creeping up the stairs. A fantastic, fantastic bit. Yeah. Really, really funny. Yeah, and I think the only bit that gets me with it, um, with the whole Marley bit, and you talked about um, obviously these things like Goose Troop and, and what's come later on. At some point, I don't know when it happened, and you you may know this um, off off part, you may you may not, but at some point, Goofy became a lot more slapstick than he originally was. Like he was always pretty slapstick anyway. And you've got the bit, no, the bit in here was a prime example with the cane and falling down the stairs and stuff like that. So you always had that element of the character. But as you went into, no, like, I, I, and it may have just been a sort of societal shift where we went into the 90s and things became a bit more violent and a bit more explicit. Like, you know, in, in things like Goof Troop, where he plugged something into the wall and get electrocuted. Yeah. The, the, the humour became a lot less subtle with Goofy as you went on. And it's, it's now it's kind of what we expect with the character. But going back and seeing this, whereby actually it's a bit more daily and, you know, it's choreographed all hell and you can see it coming a mile off. With the cane and the, as soon as he goes up the stairs you know you, you get the thing about the about the top step and you can because the because the frame doesn't come away from the door so you know something's going to happen behind it. it i don't know it just seems a bit more subtle um than, than you get think, in, in later iterations i think you're right i think that's a societal shift rather than is a shift in the character um mm. i think goofy as a character has always fulfilled that role i mean certainly back yeah. way back when you know, in the early days of, of Goofy's first appearances, it was all the public information films with all the parodies of the public information information films. So it was like Goofy as DIY dad, basically, like how to put up a shelf and he would inevitably wreck yeah. the fucking house and smash himself with a hammer and stuff like that. But yes, it was yeah. it was gentler comedy because society was gentler. Um, whereas, yeah, once we get into the 90s, everything's got to be extreme. So all of a sudden, instead of just yeah. accidentally hitting his thumb with a hammer, yes, he's fucking electrocuting himself and setting the house on fire and crashing the car. Yeah. And it just because we became that as a society, you know, and when you take that through to the nth degree now to the extreme of the new Mickey Mouse shorts, which I love dearly, but are such a massive divergence from everything that's come before. And Goofy yeah. is just chaos incarnate in those. Yeah. Um, you know, and the character itself, like, is the it, like the the character design of Goofy in those shorts is the stuff of fucking nightmares. How any yeah, kid can not, look at those I'm shorts? I'm not a huge and... fan of the the, the new ones. Oh. The, 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 the story the storytelling is good, but the, the, the set, I just don't like the character design on any of them, to be honest. I I absolutely love it um, because I, because I like that aesthetic, but it is not those characters. That's the thing. There is a, there is a hmm. disconnect for me. Um, it's so very to me, it feels more like it should be Happy Tree Friends. Yeah, it, it, it's very, it's very John Kay. All right, it's, it's very, very Ren and Stimpy influenced, clearly. Um, and, it, you know, it's very rough. It's very sketchy. That's that's fine. I like that. That's an animation style that, that I like and I am attracted to as, as an art style. But that isn't Mickey and Cole. No, it's, it's, it's not. <laughs> I, think, I think that's my problem. I mean, Jess has um, like a bedspread and a pillow set that she was bought years ago. Um, I say years ago, probably about three years ago, um, and it has um, that the, that um, that version of Minnie Mouse on it. Mm. And if, I remember the first time I saw, it, I thought that's not Minnie Mouse. That's not what Minnie Mouse looks like. And I hadn't seen the, this iteration at the time. And going at it now, and said, as you said, they, they are far more chaotic, and they, they have that John Kay Happy Tree Friends sort of anarchy to them. They really and it's do. not Mickey Mouse. That's that's the problem no. I have with it. But but I think the key is. Um, I think and this is something that I think a lot of people level at that, and, and my counter argument is, is always that I mean, as I say, I enjoy them, and it, and, it, and it's not Mickey Mouse, but it's clearly intended for a different audience. It, it yeah. is intended for more mature children, so yeah. tweens and up, 
and adults because the traditional Mickey Mouse still exists. It's just yes. over in uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Mickey and the Roads to Racers yeah. and, and all of that stuff. Like that's all still there. And, and, you know, even in the cinematic shorts, you know, things like Get a Horse, which even that was fucking ages ago now. Yeah. But it's still that Mickey is still there. It's just this, this I kind of treat as its own separate thing. And even when you see it in merchandising as well, you know, both versions of Mickey exist side by side. Yeah. And you can pretty much buy whichever one you want alongside fucking hipster Mickey, which is a thing that I detest as well. But that's a thing now as well. Um, hipster Mickey is a whole fucking thing. I've not come across that. Uh, Google hipster Mickey when we're done and then bleach your eyes. Um <laughs> So I've got cheese bread around you so much. Yeah, but but this, you know, what what we think of as traditional Mickey, then again, comes back to this. You know, yeah. it's very much, very much so. And I think forever the look of Mickey Mouse to me, because because different generations have a different look to Mickey as well. Um, yeah. And you know, one of the things that's in in the new shorts as well is they've gone back to a more traditional black and white face that we had originally as well. But this yeah. our era then in the late seventies and early eighties, he looked more. It's the word for it. Well, he just looked more like a mouse, I think, yeah. is the thing. Like, he had the fawny brown face, the sort yeah. of almost fleshy tones. He was yeah. more rounded as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, actually, it's funny you should say about you know, the, the fact that you know, there are different looks to there are different looks to the characters, and, and you know, so there's certainly the core characters. Um, yeah, many, many years ago, um, my, my my cousin's roommate in uni, um, he, he he was a fantastic artist. You know, he he, um, he he did a degree in art. He was exhibited all over the country. He, he, he was really successful. He applied to Disney uh, for a, for a job with the animation with the animation team, and they gave you know, various assignments throughout the interview process. You no know, draw, you no know, draw. I don't know. For, I'm going to say it wouldn't have been this, but draw, draw a car that's a person, mm -hmm. and you know, draw you know, draw us an airplane. Draw you know, draw make up a new character. All of that he was fine. He absolutely sailed through. And the last one was right. Draw Mickey Mouse, and that was the bit he fell down on because he, his Mickey Mouse didn't look enough like Mickey Mouse because there was a very much a set thing of you know, dimensions have to be this and the color tone, you know, tones have to be that and you know, the ears have to be this round and this far apart and all. And yeah, they you know, they were scrutinizing it. It was a case of right, this is a size paper you've got you've got to draw, and so we expected to fill this much paper and we expect the proportions to be the same as this one. And it was it, I remember my cousin saying it was absolutely incredible that he brought the drawing home. And if you, know, if you didn't know, you wouldn't have known it wasn't by one of their, one of their people. Mm. But that was the bit after like four days worth of interviews and assignments and all the rest of it. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't draw Mickey Mouse the way they wanted Mickey Mouse drawn. And that, you know, that, that's not just Mickey Mouse. That's, yeah, that's, it would be, that's, that's, that would be an organ, wouldn't that? That's, that's animation or, or even uh, commercialized comic book art in general. Uh, you need to draw to model because, as we mentioned, this stuff's fucking expensive. And if you aren't drawing to model, and look, you are not the only person. You might be the lead on Mickey, yeah. but you're not the only person drawing Mickey. Yeah. All right. So everything has to fucking, everything goes to model. Simple as that. And especially, you know, if we really want to go at it. And, and I don't because I don't take this view of the Disney company at all. But we do have to acknowledge them as a massive multimedia conglomerate. Yeah. Um, that is their mascot. Yeah. You absolutely have to know how to draw Mickey Mouse mm. if you're going to be drawing for Disney, and you yeah. have to draw an on-brand Mickey Mouse. Um, that's what you have to do, and and yeah, it is hard. Like there are like one of the things you you go to any Disney park in the world, mm. and I guarantee you they'll do a drawing class on how you draw Mickey Mouse. You go into their animation studios, they will give you a class on how to draw Mickey Mouse, and it seems very simple. It's three circles, and they boil it down like this: like, oh yeah, you draw three circles. Then you draw the nose, then you draw the mouth. It's like no, no, no. It, there's a lot more to it. There, than there's that. that, but no. I mean, that's it. 
um, the, 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 the guy, uh, my cousin's old um, housemate, said that the, the drawing came back with, so you, if, obviously, if you work for Disney and you draw Mickey Mouse, you will know, but you would know, it was sort of, I would say, if it was like you know, um, five mil squared graph paper, mm. he might have been like two mil out on one, not on one dimension, and that was enough. It, it was it was that sort of and and so you know, they they do you know, there are lots of things lots of tutorials and stuff that, yeah you draw your three circles and like, yeah but it's fucking not yeah, it's like saying, it's like saying you, tune, you, you tune an engine ah oh, you just lift the bonnet pour the oil in and show yeah, yeah. there's a really lot more, there's a lot more to it and you're right you know, that that's their brand at the end of the day don't you? and it, it's got to be spot on but I, I do find it quite funny then obviously it's changed there have been so many iterations so many changes to it mm-hmm. over the generations that actually you, you could say that and say well actually. The one he drew then might have been closer to the one that came five years later. And if he got, Very if he possibly, if he got, if he if got, he got five, five years later, later, he might have had it. Yeah, so it's, it's quite, it's quite strange. Um, because but no, I think I just say Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey. No, yes, it's, it's just no, it's, it's always going to evolve, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think what it comes down to though isn't so much that he didn't draw the Mickey Mouse as Mickey Mouse looked then. It's that he clearly wasn't skilled enough to draw to model. Is is the thing? Like here's the model. Yeah. You draw this. You will be given what you need to. It will be this is Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Draw this. And if you can't draw him, then you know if he'd gone five years later, it would have still been this is Mickey Mouse. Yeah. This is the model. This. It's just maybe the, but the model would have changed. Yeah. So it is. You know, it is a transferable skill that for yeah. whatever reason he didn't have. Now there can be an argument there about whether that's a good thing or not because obviously it leaves very little room for creativity. Yeah. Um, but that's the sad truth of it. You know, if you're working for something like for somebody like Disney and you're drawing Mickey Mouse, then you have to fucking draw Mickey Mouse. Now, the skill, oh, this is going to get, this is going to get contentious. I bet somebody <laughs> complains about this. I would argue all day long as somebody that cannot draw as well, mind you, I can barely draw a fucking stick figure. All right. But the skill isn't in drawing Mickey Mouse. The skill isn't in drawing Donald Duck because that's art just like any other art. You know, you can do that over in Disney comics. Yeah. The skill here is in animating Mickey Mouse, you know, and when we talk about animators and when we talk about how much we respect animators, we're not talking about their ability to draw lines on a page. We're talking about their ability to breathe life into those lines and make them move. Yeah. And that's where the skill comes into it. You know, it is 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 these actors they, and they are actors, you know, Mickey yeah. and Donald, they are actors is moving them around their scene. And that's what a real animator does. It's not mm-hmm. about drawing Mickey Mouse to spec. It's about how well can you make Mickey move? And that's yeah. where your free creativity and your freedom of expression comes through. Yeah. Because that's your scene that you're working on. Um, you know, there are and there are some great examples of that in this. Actually, we talked about Goofy walking up the stairs earlier. Yeah. And just everything about Goofy as, as Marley's ghost comes through immediately. Like you recognize yeah. the silhouette anyway, but his whole movements, you know, the way he's, he's constantly almost falling forward or backwards yeah. down the stairs. You know, later on when we get to the ghost of Christmas yet to come and we get Peggy like Pete, you know, as, as soon as you see a silhouette and as soon as the cigar yeah. comes out, like you don't need to know any more. Just yeah. the way he's carrying himself in the scene. You're like, oh, that's Pete. Yeah, yeah. And, and all you can see is a hooded figure at this point, but the way they're making him move and the way he's yeah. holding himself and you just know instinctively that's Pete. Um, and, and so that's that's the skill of a good animator. And look, I pin my colours to the mass here. This is no secret to anybody, in my opinion. Disney are the best in the world at it. Uh, and, and this is why, you know, because you get products like this that will do it. You know, we're talking about something that's nearly 40 years old. Yeah. Okay, that will be 40 years old. Actually, had we done it next year, I think it was 82 it came out, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And we should have fucking done this next year. Nah. It? It's undoubtedly going to be a fucking remaster or something. Um, Which I will be buying. 
Yeah, so will I probably. Um, but, you know, we're yeah. talking about something that's nearly four years old and it endures, you know, not just because we watched it when we were kids, because there was tons of shit that we watched as kids, yeah. especially on Christmas time. I don't rewatch yeah. all of it on a, yeah. on a regular. You know, yeah. we've a semi-regular. This is a do it because it's a quality product. Because yeah. everything about it just exudes quality. You know, yeah. and as I say, it's, it even extends. It's not. It's not. It's not just the animation. It's not just the art and the style. Even the writing. In that scene, there's a really good gag where um, Marley's talking about how he used to rob the rob the widows and cheat the orphans and all this sort of stuff. And um, he's, you know, uh, and you know what all that meant. And Scrooge says, "Ah, you were really good at it." And Goofy. Yeah, and he gets really proud. He's like, "Oh shit, no, that's the wrong thing." Yeah, and then no, no, if you're you're gonna you're gonna end up end up like me, only worse. But it's 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 just that again, that really easy joke. But you still end up, you know, you, even even when you expect it, you still end up snickering about it because you're just like, "Yeah, that's really fucking funny." Because of course he's gonna be proud because that's who he was. But he's not allowed to be. And whereas in certainly in um, in Dickens and when when you get to Muppets, the the, the gags you get in the Muppets are far more, a lot of them are far more related to the fact that they're, you've got a narrator and they're breaking the fourth wall quite a lot. There's, there are quite a lot of gags very around very sophisticated, that. especially um, for its time. Yeah, whereas in, whereas they've not done that here. They've just gone, fuck it, we'll just use, use the characters to tell a joke that you're not expecting. So a lot of the stuff in story with the Muppets, as opposed to in narration, is very straight and very, very it's quite heavy at times. Mm. Whereas here they've gone, fuck it, we've got 25 minutes. Let's just make it fucking up. Let's make it entertaining and make it funny. And they've, 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 again, it's not talking about an adaptation as opposed to as, as opposed to a straight remake uh, yes. or reformatting. And we talked about this with Spider-Man uh, last time out. We talked about this a lot on Game of Thrones. So if you're adapting it, adapt it for the medium and the audience. And that's exactly what they've done with this. And that type of joke. And then there's the, you get it later on as well, where um, it's where Gus Chris Present shows him the Cratchit House, and you've got Tiny Tim cutting his thumb. He just tuck it into his, his meal. It's a single pea on a plate, mm. and he cuts into it to make it last longer. Yeah, little things like that shouldn't be funny, but that's a, for me that, that him cutting that pea is an enduring image of the last forty years. I, that's something that always springs to mind. It almost seems, it almost seems a little bit prescient at the moment. Um, well, yeah, you know the way this country's fucking heading. Yeah, um, we'll all be cutting peas next week. Well, that's um, it. I think there's a lot of stuff. Um, actually as well in in this adaptation like we said for us it was first one out of the gate there had been adaptations of christmas carol before this but for us it was first one out of the gate and so this is this kind of is whilst muppets is the definitive this kind of always is the the touchstone for me the one i go back to and there is a lot of stuff that i see even in things like muppets and even in scrooge that is in here and i kind of look at it and go and again it it comes back to the animators there's things like the one that always sticks out with me and it's done better in muppets don't get me wrong but it's very similar to the scene here you know when uh when you get the carol singers coming around and scrooge just grabs the holly wreath and bundles it up and hurls it out the door at him yeah and of course in muppets christmas carol's little bunny and he knocks him over into the snow but it happens here as well he throws after the debt collector uh, not the debt collector so the 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 collectors here um and he picks the wreath up and throws it out at them. And, and you can't help but look at it later on then in Muppets and go, well, did they just lift that? Because, it, I mean, it seems like an obvious thing to do. But when you look yeah. at it, like even the framing of those shots yeah, it's very, it's very similar. very, very similar. Um, and so, again, you go, well, did they did they just half inch it? I don't know. There are a few um, shots, that actually. I, I didn't, as I, I, I've not paid it before. When I was watching this week, I did pay. There, there are quite a few shots which do look very, very close. I mean, you know, you mentioned the door knocker, and that's obviously something that's in every yeah. version of Christmas Carol. Yeah, that's that's always going to be there because it's in because it's in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. But again, like now, because I've watched Muppets more, 
my my normal go-to for that is to see Stamper and Waldorf coming out of the door knockers. But, you know, early on, it was goofy. And yeah. and still, you know, straight after Stamper and Waldorf, that, it's goofy that I'm going to there. Yeah. You know, of the, of the door knocker contorting into Goofy's face. And it's, for a Disney product, when it does contort into Goofy's face, that's pretty fucking frightening, actually. Yeah, it's quite dark. It is, it is quite dark. Um, and if it wasn't Goofy, it would be terrifying. Yeah. So, you know, they don't, I think it's fair to say they don't really, all right, it doesn't go perhaps as dark as Muppets does, but they don't no. really hold back on this. You know, like, obviously, there's there's some fuckery when Goofy shows up because he's Goofy. So he's yeah, gonna, Goofy is always going to be. There's going to be some fuckery. But, you know, the door knocker is, is quite scary. As I say, when you see Peg Leg Pete later on, he's quite an imposing character. You know, was that ghost always is imposing. Yeah. You know, so there there is a lot of stuff. Um, that where where they tend to skew a little bit darker than perhaps your average Mickey cartoon would. Yeah. They they haven't shied away from it. Um, and I think actually this is, this is quite a surprising one. When you think about it, because the, the the original text is very dark, it's very bleak in places. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you get the, the the whole thing with the um, the Ghost Christmas Past about you know uh, the the, chil- the the children and you know, one being wanted, one being greeted, and, and, and are they in a workhouses, all this sort of stuff. And it it it's quite. Um, it's quite a bleak um, landscape to begin with. It's very, it's very difficult to see how you can lighten it. And one thing you've got to give um, uh, mixed Christmas credit for is that it does take something that's very heavy, very dark, and make it accessible to children in a way mm, that I've not definitely. really, I mean, Muppets aside, I've not really seen anywhere else. And there have been so many versions of this across the years <laughs> and across the myriad of, of kids' TV shows we've had. I don't think anywhere has done it as successfully as, as those two, certainly. But I think this is probably the one for me that seems more child-based. I mean, Muppets is a yes. Muppet, so you're always, you're always going to get double entendres. You're always going to get innuendo. You're always going to get a little bit of just hang on a minute. Did, did they just say that? Which you yeah. never get with Disney. Um, so for me, this is no. This, this is probably the best example I've seen where somebody's taken that text and gone right. We can make this funny and whimsical and still serious, but actually we can do something with it. And you can't do that, unfortunately, without going a little bit darker than you'd normally skew. Because no. you, just, no, it's, no, it's, you, can't ha- you can't have this subject matter without skewing slightly darker than in the first place. Um, and I think that's where most things fall down, even the things are supposedly made for children, is that they actually become a bit too bleak and a bit too grim. Yeah. And it's very difficult to... I mean, I, I, I know that the way we are socially at the moment, as it's a one in four kids live in poverty, um, you know, and there are food shortages, there, and there are people. You know, there are people who don't have enough money, and they can't they can't afford to buy food. They can't buy new clothes um, because they're all too busy paying for their iPhones and Sky and shit like that. Um, but you know, so there are things that are relatable here. You don't get the escapism. Whereas if you look at the Disney version, you say, right, okay, well, actually, aside from the fact it's, it's Mickey Mouse and and Scrooge McDuck, you can just sort of escape into it. Which actually, yeah, it's, it's a it's a bit of something or nothing for half an hour that I, no, I can not think about the fact I haven't eaten since like you know, two days ago. Mm. And I, I think there's, there's there's an inherent lightness to it, which doesn't lend itself to a Christmas Carol, which so many other versions do. And if you look at the um, the Jim Carrey animated version from 10, 15 years ago, which is also on Disney Plus, um, that is also that's a, that's probably the most faithful retelling I've seen in an animation. Mm-hmm. But it's so fucking grim. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched it purely because it looked so grim, and because whilst I reread the text semi-regularly as well i don't read it every christmas but i do like it i do like the text but yes it's a heavy fucking read it's not reading the fucking grinch 
You know, it doesn't take yeah. long. You can you can blitz it in a night oh, if you're yeah, really yeah, in you, the yeah, mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're in a sit down and read mood and you're not being interrupted every two fucking minutes, you can do it in a couple of hours. It's not a long text. No, but it but is great. It's dense. It really, yeah. it, it really is heavy, and it really you, you come out for thinking, fuck me. Yeah, and as you say, I think I think they completely remove that here. Like, whilst there there are darker elements, it definitely is accessible to children. I think a big part of that is in the condensation of of Tiny Tim's segment yes. as well. Like, Tiny Tim is barely in this, and so there's enough that that you get it you know when it's given to us the information is given to us that the tiny tim is going to die unless scrooge yeah. changes his ways and becomes a father to tiny tim and things like that it's, it's in there but they don't dwell on it in the way that some of yeah. do and, and the, you know the muppets is very good at that as well yeah. they they have just enough tiny tim it, it's, it's, it's um, there. yeah but but again you know we're not we're not trying to compare the two here this one has next to none yeah. Like Tiny Tim is almost an afterthought here. Yeah, I mean, um, when you see Tiny Tim twice, then you see you do once, yeah. once with the Christmas present, and then once at the end when no, when it's all, when it's all said and done, and he, and he takes the toys around. So yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know you see any more than that, do you? No, uh, likewise, um, you know Donald's role stripped all the way back as well. Yeah. Um, so so they do they pick and choose the bits that they need to strip back, and they do very well at that, and then they laser focus in on Scrooge. Yes. Um, you, you have to have some parts of his relationship with, depending on the text, Belle, Clara, whatever you want to call her, depending on what yeah. version you're watching. Um, even though it's Clara Bell, it depends which version you're fucking watching. But it, it, like they have to take uh, a, a certain amount of that because that's intrinsic yes. to who to who Scrooge yeah. is. But again, I think they do just enough of that and yeah. then breeze past it. I do think when we, we get to their eventual breakup here, I think it's a little heavy-handed, if I'm honest. The thing it is actually it trying to charge her money is completely different to, well, I'm not ready for us to get married yet because I haven't saved her. That's one thing. You owe me money, bitch, is entirely yeah. another. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that, that, whole, that whole scene, it's, 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 it's played for laughs. It's played for, he's counting his money because no, she's there. and The fact that he can't even see her over the, over the pile of money. No, there's there's something to read into that. That's quite important. And then he pulls out the foreclosure document and she runs off yeah. and slams the door and all the money falls down. And you immediately forget that he's just been an absolute cunt nugget to this woman. <laughs> Horrible. Because Horrible. it's funny because now he, he, he was at 3,900 and something and now he's going to start again. Yeah. That And that's the takeaway from that from that scene is that he loves money and he has a lot of it. Not the fact that he just no, he just foreclosed on her cottage. The fact that he just ended their relationship. It's about him and money, and that's 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 credit the, to the storytelling as well, though. As it much is. As it, that's it, criticizing the scene. It, it, <laughs> it works in, in terms of in terms of what they're doing with the character and the time they've got and how they're putting it together. It really does work because they've not they've not dwelled on on that story too much. No, but the scene itself, I think, as it's you said, very it's, distasteful, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's entirely it's entirely um, it's entirely distasteful. Horrible. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. At a point where we're supposed to be starting to feel quite sorry for Scrooge. Well, that's it. Like, you know, we, we, we've, we've had the scene of them dancing and this whole thing of, yeah. you know, where did it go wrong? I remember her. And he's, he's talking so fondly about his colleagues and his friends. And then we get a bit with, with, with her and she makes a dance and all the rest of it. And yeah, you're starting to think, hang on, how did he get from this character here who's shy and quiet and seems good natured and all the rest of it to being this absolute cockwomble? Mm. And instead of exploring that, they go right. We'll throw one scene in where he clearly loves gold more than her, 
and as a result, he just can't stand the sight of her, and he fucks her off. Again, it works, and in terms of brevity, it's fucking genius. But I think if they were going to expand anything... It should be that. It should yeah. be that, because Tiny Tim, so you don't want to dwell too much on the fact that a small child is going to die of mm. poverty-related illness. Yeah. You don't want to dwell on that in a kid's cartoon. Yeah. So What may- does he die of? I don't think that's ever even explained in the text, is it? He, he basically it's like just, pneumonia or... You know. Yeah, but they never say it. He basically dies of being a cripple. <laughs> like that. They don't say why he's the way he is. Yeah. The way he is, that sounds horrible, but but you know what I mean. Yeah. They don't, they the, don't the, say why he's a cripple. Yeah, the, the implication is just that he's he's infirm and yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's infirm. He doesn't get enough food. He doesn't he, he hasn't got the chance to, to thrive because the the house is always cold. He doesn't have enough food or all the rest of it. So just the implication is that because he wasn't in a workhouse where even in shitty conditions he just still had warm, dry surroundings. Yeah. That's why he died. He died of exposure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's never it's never it's never explicit. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, that that scene with 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 Daisy anyway, and Scrooge to go back to it like. It's, it works really well, and it is a good scene. Again, it's very funny. Yeah. But you're watching it going, hang on, what a fucking cockknocker. Yeah. Why, like, is she, you know, why is she hanging around for him in the first place? Because clearly because, he hasn't just turned into this overnight. Because as previously mentioned, she's a gigantic fucking whore, and he's got a great big pile of money. Like, she's just she's just digging gold. But also, more importantly, like, and I know I'm saying they're actors and scenes, and, and they are, I do think of them like this, but that's his niece. Like, that's Donald's girlfriend. Like that's weird. Yeah. Like he's 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 creepy old paedophile uncle at this point. That's weird. I hadn't thought of it that way. I've got to be honest. That's fucking weird. That is fucking weird. However you slice it, that is fucking weird, isn't it? Like that is that yeah. his his nephew's girlfriend. That's fucking odd. And, and it's not as odd as you think, actually. That's, that's my baggage. That's my baggage that I bring in there, right? My baggage with these characters, because that's who they are to me. Yeah. But I can't not think that when I'm watching it. But hang on, she fucks Donald. What are you doing? This is weird, you creepy old man. Like, I, I just, yeah, I, I'd not, I'd not really thought that much about it to be honest. But I, I, and they literally could have cast anyone else. Didn't have yeah. to be Daisy Duck, did it? Could, yeah, could have been any, any random duck. Doesn't even have to be a duck. Well, yeah, Why does it have true. to be a duck? Just because Mickey and Minnie are a, are a, a same species couple, like there are all sorts of anthropomorphic species within the, the Mickey this is true. universe. Yeah, true. like he doesn't have to get it on with a duck. He could get it on with. Although anatomically, dog, I imagine there's more compatibility. Well, because the, of the whole corkscrew cock. cock. Yeah, yeah, that's going to go gonna somewhere. Some pro- yeah, it's going to cause some problems. But then, I mean, there's probably other birds, you know, that he could shack up with. Like, Maybe. But then they don't spend his money as well, so yeah. Oh, do that. you know, just draw, as you say, another random duck. <laughs> Doesn't have to be Daisy. Yeah. All right, I get I get this star power associated with Daisy. Cause, Not fucking much. No, but there is, because she's still a recognisable figure. Yeah. You know, it's weird to me. It's very weird to me. Yeah, it's it's not something I've dwelled on, I've got to be honest. These are thoughts that I have. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody listening to this is going to be surprised. By no, this, this is true. This is now. very true. These, uh, these uh, things that occur to me in the watching of Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I will do an acid test. Um, I'm out with um, people from work next Friday, uh, next Thursday, sorry, before we finish Christmas. And one of them's a regular listener. So I'll, I'll make sure she's listened to this before we uh, go out. and just See if she finds it weird. Yeah. She's German, so her sense of weird is a bit strange. Yeah, but not incest weird. Like, all right, maybe if they were shitting on each other, then she wouldn't find it weird. 
because yeah. Germans. But, you know, corkscrew penises. Maybe that's, that's the thing in Europe. And, and I don't know. corkscrew penises and incest is not a thing anyway. That's just not a thing. As far as I know, maybe I live a sheltered life. Maybe. I I mean, the internet's full of weird and wonderful shit. I mean, I've seen a lot of that weird and wonderful shit, and I haven't come across (laughs) corkscrew penises and incest just yet. (laughs) What, together or just in general? I've seen plenty. I have seen plenty of corkscrew penises because this that is a rabbit hole that I went down with Dutch penises. Like, this didn't come out of nowhere. This is something that somebody told me once and I got fascinated with. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I mean, no, we're not going there. Um, no, we did that. If, if you want, if you want, if listeners, you want that, like, go back to how the Duck episode. Is that when it was? I know, yeah. I know, I've, I know, I've spent some hours talking about Duck. Yeah. These shows. Yeah, there's a good ten minutes on the How to Duck Mario episode. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't have to be Daisy Duck, right? So that's that's yeah, that's a stumbling block that I've got that yes. I simply cannot get over with. This is why is Scrooge fucking Daisy Duck? Yeah, I didn't have an issue with that, but yeah. It's, it's the same as like where do who we do and Louis come from? Duckburg. Y- yeah, but <laughs> where do they come from? Like, how do they fit into this fucked up family tree? Because there's Uncle Scrooge and Uncle Donald. So, so are they? Presumably, are, there's a, presumably there's a father somewhere. Or is Donald the father? Or are they the love child of a Scrooge, Scrooge and Daisy? But they can't call him Dad because that's wrong. Maybe they don't know. Yeah, because that's wrong. Maybe they just these kids that grow up with lots of aunts and uncles but don't know who their parents are. Got it. We're fucking on to you, Scrooge. <laughs> We're on to you. That's, that's why he fucked her off. That, and that's why he takes them in and looks after them and stuff because guilty. he fucking knows, yeah, he's be full on guilty. And that's why they're all a bit fucked as well in the head. That's why they're all like troublemakers and shit because, you know, broken home. Well, they that's just because they're kids. Kids are assholes. Kids are assholes. Yeah, especially duck kids, I suppose. But we're, we're fucking on to it. There you go. We're on to it. That's it. Anyway, that I don't know how to... That was a detour off, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Christmas. Fuck it, we'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> another week, another show where we go on a random fucking detour for hours. Um, yeah, I think this is something like the 93rd week in a row. Oh, fucking knows. I, I've lost count. So... <laughs> Okay, so where are we in the story? Right, so we've gone through the whole the whole middle section bit, which yeah, I think we we said at the start, like you're right, they just condense all of that and and they just kind of go, well, you you don't need it, yeah. you know. And I I think this is the key difference between this and just about any other animated adaptation and, and traditionally any Disney feature length adaptation as well, because of course it's not feature length. I'm aware as, as I'm saying that this is a special, but the temptation here would to be to shoehorn in a song or two at this point. Yes. And to move the narrative forward in song. But this doesn't do that at all. Hmm. You know, there's no I want song at the start. There's no exposition heavy yeah. song in the middle where they're all going on a quest. There's no there's no traditional musical structure to this, which is kind of what you would expect. It's what you from- expect, but I think actually in in doing that, they'd have they probably you'd probably look at adding what, eight, ten minutes. And you I probably don't, would. And and it probably, probably think- had a time scale for network TV. Yeah, and, yeah, because I mean, if this is 26, 27 minutes, you're looking at a 30 minute slot. Yeah. Um. So, you, you know, you see your ad breaks in and you, you're kind of there and you're golden. But I, th- I, I also think that by doing that, and if you look at the probably after about 20 minutes, the, uh, there's a section of Frozen where they kind of shoehorn too much in in terms of music. Oh, don't get me started and, how unbalanced the songs are yeah. in Frozen. That's but a podcast on its own. It, it is. But I mean, if you, th- if you look at the, if you look at that sort of middle section of that, 
that's the same. It's like, okay, there's uh-huh. too much music. There are too many songs. Uh-huh. There's too much going on. And it completely ruins your pacing and it ruins your story. And I think that's the problem they'd have here. If they tried to do, even if you tried to follow the conventional stru- uh, structure for, 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 for music in, in these things, you would find actually it's, it's going to rip your pace out because this moves at quite a lick. And I think anything else is going to just completely slow you down and it's going to drag out the middle to a point where you're going to get to sort of 20, 25 minutes go, oh, fuck, it's still five minutes that's left. And you know it's going to be a song. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I'm not I'm not arguing for there being songs. Um, I, I just think, again, it, this is traditionally that point where it would pop yeah. up. And as you're watching it, it just skims past that entirely. And so it does just nip along yeah. at this... It, it is a breakneck speed, this. It is yeah. like Christmas Carol inside of 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's like the Olaf version of Christmas Carol, isn't it? It, it is. It's like Olaf narrates Christmas Carol. It's deadly. Again, another recommendation for you all if you're not yes. watching those on Disney+. Plus. That's, Although, again, can I just say, if, you, storytelling. if you're watching them on Disney+, Plus, skip to episode six where you get the fucking things all together. Because otherwise, by the time you watch episode one and you do the credits and then it, it runs for like 50 seconds and then you get the end. By the time you then wait for the, ne- the next episode thing to pop up, it's like, for fuck's sake, I, I got to episode six and I was like, oh, for fuck's we sake. We did the same thing. We did the same thing. Watched them all in one in one row anyway, because they were yeah. fucking hilarious. Then we got to episode six. We're like, right, okay. That's literally all of those edited together. I really yeah. should have read the descriptions first. Yeah, yeah uh, I was fucking fuming when I saw that. <laughs> me too. I was fucking livid. <laughs> I'm, but yeah, I'm glad it wasn't just me. I'm glad it I was, wasn't I was just me. I was sat there and the last couple of weeks, um, as, I'm, as, as you know, I'm changing jobs, so I'm kind of winding down. And there was, there was a period of about a week where I was like, oh, fuck it, I can't be asked to any work. I should have just quit. I should have just gone now, not worked my notice. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it, T- you know, TV's there, I, I put it on. And I was literally like, right, oh, that's finished, right, next episode. So And then you wait yeah. for the thing to cycle through. Yeah. And I got I got to the last one, I hit play, and it was like, and it was like, oh, you motherfucker. And Disney Plus is really bad for that as well. It takes ages for the next episode. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a good 10, 15 seconds that's come up. And, and if you if you back out before that comes out it doesn't register that you've watched the fucking episode so when you go yeah. back in you can't go next episode so yeah. anyway we're going down another tangent again this is a moment about disney plus um, i'm not moaning about disney plus i love disney plus so Just do I. that one particular but, yeah. fucking thing annoyed me yeah uh, but yeah I thoroughly recommend that as well uh now i'm married and have feet has become a saying in this house <laughs> <laughs> just because it broke us um but to get back on topic um, so yeah, so we get through all of that middle section. We, we've condensed Tiny Tim out of it. We've condensed Days Zero, but yet, like, and this again is is just how good these storytellers really are, and how good a product this is. Because I feel like traditionally, if we watched anything else, I would be moaning like fuck at this point because we would be get we would be getting to Act Three, and I would be going, "You haven't earned this. You haven't fucking earned this at all." Because yeah. all of a sudden, the Ghost of Christmas yet the come shows up and scares the shit out of him, and he's a new man. You haven't fucking earned this. Yeah. But they absolutely do. It's just they, they have. cut out all of the fat. It's things and, and like giving us just that one scene with Daisy. That is yeah. all we need to that, understand that's all you the need. I think this is the thing, is that you get, for every for every ghost, you get one key scene. Yes. And it's not dwelled on. It's not an amalgamation of this, this, and this. It's right. this is the fucking scene. This is the bit we're focusing on. Mm. And then we move on. And then this is the bit we're focusing on. And then we move on. And so, yeah, you're, you're right. Generally, if you were looking at this, you're thinking, right, of a no, if you, obviously if you're doing it longer, you'd have more time to put stuff in. But generally, you'd be thinking, right, you could have stuck another ten minutes at this and really earned that third act. Yeah, but, but actually, in, in not doing so, I think they've actually kept it kept it to a to a, a reasonable pace. Because if they'd done that, I I think I, well, I don't think I can all but guarantee we'd be moaning it's too fucking long and too fucking slow. It's the, it's the fucking magic of Disney. It really is. Like yeah. it, 
they, they're just the best at what they do and will always be the best at what they do because as we all right we were talking about somebody's ability to draw mickey mouse but that is the quality control process inside yeah. the studio yeah now and again they'll misfire everybody misfires now and again yeah and they, they'll be cutbacks and they're a business at the end of the day yeah. all right so things will go cyclical but they are absolutely the fucking a game at yeah. what they do and and you know and this don't forget this is at a period where the studio were in a dip yeah like 82 disney isn't by no means like it's on the fucking skids yeah. like it's it's very nearly about to collapse under its own weight and they still put out a product like this yeah you know and, and yes okay maybe it's a safe bet because it's mickey mouse and they could do it now you know they could put out mickey mouse now and everybody's gonna watch if they just dropped a new mickey mouse card traditional mickey mouse card not the shorts they just dropped a new mickey mouse special on disney plus now everybody on their fucking dogs there. is gonna watch it over christmas yeah I'm because there. it's mickey mouse like I say even with the new ones, they dropped that series where he, Mickey and Minnie are touring around the world. Yeah. Um, I forget what they call it. Watched all of those because yeah. there's a whole bunch of Mickey Mouse shorts. Yes, they're in the new style, but still, I'll watch those. So, yes, there's a certain element of this was a safe bet. It's a story that everybody knows. It's a yeah. well-loved classic. And we're going to throw fucking Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Goofy and fucking Daisy at it. Um, there's Pluto in this. He's not, is he? Yes, he is. Very, very briefly. Um I think at the end, he's in it very briefly. Yes, he's, he's pulling Donald's wagon. So when Scrooge runs out in front of him, and he has to slam on he has to, yeah. But he has no actual... No, he's not in the story now. Why did they do Pluto duty? Like, you've, you've got fucking Daisy, but you don't give us Pluto. Yeah, nobody wants to see Scrooge McDuck shagging Pluto. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying he should shag Pluto. I'm just saying Pluto <laughs> should have something to do. Yeah, but there's not really anywhere to fit him, is there? Make him the ghost of Christmas present. Talk too much. Excitable. Because Christmas doesn't talk too much. Doesn't doesn't have to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the fact it's Willy the Giant, and especially the Disney nerd. And he loves the fact that they've used Willy the Giant. Plus, yeah, I I don't think I don't think you could use Pluto in that in that role without changing Pluto. Yeah, but still, Pluto should have fun somewhere for him. Yeah, fucking important character. You know, like all right, kind of sucks that Chip and Dale don't have anything to do either. But I'll accept that they're not in it because they're not quite as important. Like Pluto is a cornerstone character. Yeah. And way, way, way more likable than Daisy fucking Duck. So it's sorry, to be fair. This, this this is turning into an anti-Daisy podcast again. Um, <laughs> it's just Daisy I've got issues with, by the way. The rest of them are all fine. I just fucking do not. It's, like it, it's not all ducks. It's just that particular it's duck. Just, He's not just, duckest. Yeah, no, it's just fucking Daisy. It's tramp. Sorry, um, my phone just turned Siri on again. I don't know what I said, but something obviously triggered Siri. Siri is clearly very interested in duck penises, is what it is, and she knows where you're going with this. Um, what the fuck? Somebody fucking does. What the fuck was I saying? I got. I went. I went on a rant about Pluto day. We were going from <laughs> Sorry, I sidetracked. <laughs> yeah, it makes a change with you. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we were talking about the pacing and sort of the way the um, the way it feels like it does move on or like and. And basically, the fact the studio, no, Disney had this, no, they put out this property. And... Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Mickey and Pluto and all of that. And yes, yeah. so so yes, it, it's a, it's a surefire hit because you you've got all these characters. But yeah, at the same time, like any other studio, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I'm looking at you, DreamWorks. Any other studio would put out half hour of shit just because they yeah. can call it Shrek the fucking halls or yeah. whatever you want to call it. But Disney don't do that. They don't. They don't do shit. We mentioned Once Upon a Christmas and Twice Upon a Christmas earlier. Yeah. Those could, again, just as easily be cheap tie-ins, you know, that they can yeah. just, that they could have just dumped on TV. Like, I don't know what when they're actually released. I assume they went straight to DVD looking at the length of them. I'm assuming um, so. 
I first watched them way back on Disney Life, I think, yeah. when I was kicking around. In fact, I may even have seen one of them on Netflix before that, but... Yeah, I think it was Disney Life I first saw them. We, we yeah. had that when, um, before Disney Plus, we had that with when Jess was little. Um, and yeah, I'm fairly sure that's when I saw certainly the first one. Uh, yeah. so I think that's when I saw that. They don't have to be good. No. But they are. You know, and, and that's that's a thing with Christmas. You know, like there are these fucking Christmas movie channels now, and like how how much shit gets dumped on Netflix every year at Christmas? Yeah. You know how many fucking Christmas castles and fucking Princess for Christmas movies and all that kind of shit are they? Like, put Christmas in the title. Yeah. Loads of people. Yeah, and loads of people are gonna watch it. Hello, I'm one of them. I love Christmas. Yeah, right? I mean, I so you, you know me and Christmas. I, it, it takes me a long time to get into Christmas. Um, that we are now what ten days away. Mm-hmm. And no, 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 it's starting to feel a bit like Christmas, um, mainly because I watched Krampus two days ago. Um, but these channels, they, you know, they start, the, the, I think the one on Freeview started broadcasting right about mid-October. And they start off, they'll have a couple of films, which they'll show on repeat three or four times a week. And then by the time you get to the end of November, they're literally running from 6am until 2am. Yeah. With a different a different film every day. And you might have, over the course of three weeks, you might repeat a couple of films. But they are pretty much non-stop. Unless, unless you let me and you don't sleep, you know, you could sit there and watch this shit all day and it would be on when you wake up and it'd be on when you go to bed. And chances are you're not going to see the same film twice in a week. But there's so much absolute horseshit. I mean, what was Tori watching last week? It was, they're all kind of variations on a theme. It's, on a theme. it's always somebody from a big city goes home to their small town to try and save a family business or to, to look after always, a relative, yeah. fall in love with their old high school, whatever and live happily ever after by not going back to their life in the city. Or there's some big evil corporation who want to take over mom and pop's little cookie shop, and they've got to save that and teach the CEO the meaning of Christmas. They're all variations on a theme. And even when you get into the the higher-end Christmas movies, um, again, they're all still kind of the same. And that's why when you look at things like It's a Wonderful Life, yes, okay, they've been ripped off a lot since, but they're not the same fucking story as everything else. No. Um, so you know, you look at things like that. I mean, I, I was looking at a list earlier of um, it was, the, I think it was the fifty or sixty-five best Christmas films, and they had stuff. There's some stuff on there which most people argue aren't Christmas films. Not talking about Die Hard because it's a gonna, Christmas film. Look, I was literally going to wait for you to finish and ask, is it on me? Because it, quite it's on there. Need to, right, it, okay, it was like number fine. twelve or something like that. It was quite high up That's as well. Um, this podcast what, fully endorses Die Hard as a Christmas film. Um, right also on there, which one I, I hadn't thought about until recently, but I was glad it was on there. Batman Returns. Yeah, Christmas film. Um, Christmas it's, on, it's on my to-watch list for this year. Um, it's yeah. been about two years. It's on my yeah. to-watch list. Um, so, yeah, but so I was going through that, and there was loads of stuff on there. And you look at those, and there aren't the myriad of repeats on there. It's like, no, that's a remake of um, It's a Wonderful Life. That's a remake of Christmas Carol. That's a remake of... There's, they haven't done that there. They've gone, right, these are films that stand on their own, and they're quality Christmas films. Well, whether it's because they're set at Christmas and they have certain themes, or whether it's because they're the cheesy fucking cookie cutter Christmas things we get every year, that doesn't. No, that's not quite. No, that, that's what they're looking at. But you look at these. This, this channel, I think there's at least one channel freeview which is full of Christmas movies, and you could transplant name, actor, and location mm-hmm. three times a day, mm-hmm. and it's the same fucking movie. Yep. Yeah, but people watch them. People watch you know, them. Love they it. Don't, they you don't. Look, they don't have to be good. They, just have, they, they have to make you feel all warm and Christmassy. Yeah. And Christmas Carol, ironically, doesn't do that. I don't, no. For me, anyway, even when we get to the end of Muppets or whichever one I'm no. watching, like I don't come away from there with the warm fuzzies. You know, I come away no. from there thinking, like, well, yeah, okay, that was, a, that was a nice story. But, like, I'll watch A Wonderful Life and I'll come away from there feeling like, 
like a million dollars. Like I'm on top of the fucking world watching this wonderful life. Um, takes me right through the gamut to get there, mind you. I cannot watch it without bawling my fucking eyes it's, out. It's a it's a fucking ringer of a movie. Yeah, but you, you're on top of the world when that finishes. You feel fucking amazing about life. Yeah. yeah? You don't ever get that with Christmas Carol. I certainly don't. No. Anyway. Um, it, it kind of, as we mentioned earlier, it's quite bleak and it takes you down that path and then argues you back around to like, yeah, I guess it could be OK. Yeah, it's it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where it argues you around, isn't it? Like, yeah. but Scrooge has by no means solved every problem in the world. No, this, this is it. And I mean, I mean the, 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 the thing with Chris McCarroll is you, you never, because there's no massive social shift in it, there's no real progress apart from him as an individual. Even though he's rich, he he's not changing things. So you still have abject poverty. Yeah. You still have you know a class structure which says that you've got people who have thousands of pounds in a time where no, that's no, that's like no lifetimes worth of fortune, and people who can't afford more than one pea on a plate. Yeah. You've, no, it didn't solve any of that. It didn't change any of that. It just changed one person's outlook on it. And I think that's why it's so effective. And even in in the Disney version, that's why it's so effective because actually, it says look. It's not all fucking sunshine and roses at the end. Things are still shit. Tiny Tim is probably still going to die. But they're less shit. They're less shit because all of a sudden the person who was directly involved in making them shit is now no longer a cunt. Yeah, basically. And and again, one of the best one of the best communications of that visually is again down to the Muppets. I think you know when you get the final like Michael Caine singing aside, when you get the final scene in Muppets Christmas Carol, it's it's not just I'm going straight to Tiny Tim's with a giant turkey. It's like, here's some cheese for the mice. Here's yeah. a donation for the poor. And actually, here's a scarf to go with it. And here's a bottle of wine for you. And here's some new mittens for you. And here's like presents for everybody. Because yeah. I'm going to make everyone else's life a little bit less yeah. shit in this horrible fucking bleak yeah. world yeah. that we live in. And I think um, it's not a permanent solution. You can't do that indefinitely. No. No. But it's on this one day where everyone's supposed to be fucking nice to each other. I'm gonna do something nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out my way to give people a Christmas that they may or may not deserve. But actually, you know, it it makes it'll make them feel better, and by extension, will make me feel better. Now, I, You're right. There's the key. That's what I was just about to hit on, and that's why you don't get the warm fuzzies from yeah. a Christmas Carol is because actually all of this is self motivated. So Scrooge learns nothing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's yeah. The thing. Scrooge, Scrooge learns that if he's a nicer person, he's not going to die alone. Uh, yeah, it is all self-motivated. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, they did a, a Black Adder Christmas Carol in the, I think it was late eighties, early nineties, mm-hmm. and it's set in um, the Black Adder three period. Um, and he is the most insufferably nice person in the world. And people come into the, into the shop, and he, you know, he's not lending the money; he's giving the money. His nephew comes in. I'm talking about Christmas, and he has this really annoying girlfriend. They've got these stupid fucking cackle laughs, a bit like Vince Vaughn in Psycho. That really, sort of really annoying fucking laugh. And he puts up with it all. And the visions he gets of past, present, and future are actually: if you become less nice, if you become more of a bastard, your life will turn out like this. Mm-hmm. And the idea is not to sort of keep it scared, into staying on that on that path, being righteous, being noble, being kind, and all the rest of it. But his realization at the end is: so if I'm a complete bastard. I'll be the fucking supreme ruler of the galaxy at some point in the future. Yeah, but that's not the lesson you're supposed to be taking from this. Well, fuck that. And he kicks the ghost out. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really interesting take. And it, it's the sort of thing you'd expect from, from um, Richard Curtis and Ben Elton, that they've just taken it and dumped it on its head. And it's a really interesting take. But that, even, this, even that is a character that's entirely self-serving by the end. He goes, okay, if I, do the, if I change my ways and do this instead of what I've been doing, I will get this out of it. 
yeah. I will I will advance, I will achieve, I will improve. Yes. And that's that's my, always been my reading of, of, of Christmas Carol. So I say the, the whole thing is that I'm going to I'm going to make everyone else feel better and that's I will feel better. I will improve what people think of me. Not I will improve as a person, people will see me better. It's it's the ultimate self-care film, isn't it? It's the ultimate yeah. like I'm gonna feel better by making others around me feel better. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not necessarily learning anything. Yeah. I'm just I'm just kind of making myself feel better. I'm plastering be fair, over the cracks. It's it's the America of problems now. Throw money at yeah. it until it goes away. I'm gonna plaster over the cracks, basically, yeah. is is what it is. Um and, and you, you touched on something actually that I meant to talk about right back at the start, but then we got sidetracked comparing this to the Muppets, but actually Again, one of the things about this, you know, we talk about what's faithful and what's not. And actually, you know, Christmas Carol as a tale has been adapted into so many other things as well that are not called a Christmas Carol. But yeah. we just take this storyline yeah. and we copy paste it. into. Something. I've even got a Batman adaptation of a Christmas Carol that I read every year. It's I'm not called sure a Christmas a, Carol. I'm sure but, there's a Family Guy one. There'll be a Simpsons one. Yep. There'll, there'll be all sorts of comics and books and all. The, and like even things like the Beano will have fucking done it at some point. Yeah, yeah have, exactly. You know, It'd be like, okay, well, no. De- Dennis repents because he's been overly picked on and the Santa's not going to come. Yeah, I mean, and, it's it sort of feels like it is the almost now the archetypal redemption story. Yes. It's almost like, they, you know, everything is based on, you know, when we get these redemption stories, they still go through the same cycle that Scrooge goes through of like, yeah. you learn from your mistakes of the past so you can avoid making them again in the future. And so yeah. it gets adapted constantly. And so there are more examples of this being done badly than yeah. there are well and i think it you know it, it speaks great credit to the fact that you know when it is done well we're still talking about it some 40 years later yeah. and it also speaks credit to the fact that amongst the good adaptations of this of which off the top of my head i can probably pick four mm. um one of those is the batman adaptation <laughs> incidentally um mm. So I'm not just talking about about um, about film and stuff here either. I would still rate this number two. And, and it's because like even though it and I mean that as a compliment rather yeah. than it's not as good as the Muppets. OK, because as much as it condenses the whole story and, and I think we do lose a, a little bit of the core. Yeah. Actually, most of it still comes through. And as a story from A to B, as a narrative, it works incredibly well. And, and everything else that's stressed up around it, we, we've already mentioned the voice talent is superb. The animation is top notch. Yeah. You know, everything about it is a quality product and that shines through. And the most important thing for me in anything, as any regular listeners know, is always the storytelling. Yeah. And this absolutely nails it. Like oh, there's no there's no question about that. It absolutely nails it. And as and as we said earlier, again, um, using number one as an example, I guess maybe you can argue it actually nails it better than a Christmas uh, than a Muppet Christmas Carol. Whilst that maybe, in my opinion, the better adaptation, perhaps this actually does a better job in adapting the story and cutting those swipes out of the middle. I think that's possibly a better version, but this is a better adaptation. I think that this mm. is, as I said, I think they they're so different in their approach mm. that the Muppets is far more faithful, and you you are getting Dickens Christmas Carol, but with Muppets. Yeah. Whereas here you are getting Disney's retelling of it. Yeah, you're getting Mickey's Christmas Carol. So yeah, so I mean, I think that, um, yeah, and I, I think in that respect, you know, it's it's very difficult to compare them because they are so different, even though they well, are telling the same story. Also, I just want to point out why I know it's because he's the fucking poster child. Why is it Mickey's Christmas Carol? No idea. It shouldn't be because he's barely in it anyway. I well, like. Well, this is the conversation we had about fucking uh, Mandalorian the other day, wasn't it? In, yeah. 
fucking is it? Oh, I can't remember the fuck is it. Sean Chi, isn't it? Yeah, Shang Chi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's not the fucking star of his own show. It's not about. It's not about Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah, and that's the same here. It's not yeah, Mickey's it's not Christmas Carol. It's Scrooge's Christmas Carol. But, but like, yes, Mickey Mouse is, is like at this point the most recognizable character on the planet in the eighties. Yeah. Right. Yes, I know that, but you could have just called it Disney's Christmas Carol, and you'd have well, had yeah. the same effect. Well, yeah, that's it. It. I don't, I don't know. think it would have. I don't think that would have impacted on sales. No, absolutely not. Um, because people still know what they're getting. They still know it's Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Donald Duck and Scrooge well, and Scrooge. Still, and, still put Mickey on the fucking cover, but well, exactly. call it call it Mickey's Christmas Carol. It's a little bit disingenuous that one. Is absolutely wrong, isn't it? Because it's not Mickey's Christmas Carol at all. Yeah, it's but it's, if that's if that's the biggest thing we can level at it, I think it's okay. It's it's Uncle Scrooge's Christmas Carol, sure. not Mickey's Christmas Carol. But yeah, you're right. If that's the biggest, and actually there are no real, if I'm honest, there are no real criticisms I can level of it. And, you know, and that's not something we look to do on this show anyway. This no. isn't better than Mario. This is all just about our honest opinion of rewatching these things that we used to love as kids and what they mean yeah. to us now. Uh, sometimes they're shit, and we'll call them out on it, but. I don't have anything bad to say about this. There's no. no need to say anything bad about this because it is it's everything you want it to be. It's an adaptation of Christmas Carol. Yeah. It's a Disney product, which means it's the highest quality possible in every single way. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's family friendly. It's just it's just lovely. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to watch it every year because I, there's no. only so many. Like every year I read Batman Noel. Every year I watch my bits of Christmas Carol and every other I might read the text. So I'm not going to watch this as well all the time. Like there's yeah. got to be some breathing room somewhere. No, that's fair yeah. enough. I mean, I, I, I watch this every year, more or less. Um, I don't watch my bits every year. And I read the book probably every three or four years. I did read it last year because it tied into what I was writing. So again, I needed to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those you, you wouldn't pick it up every every year. and go, Oh, and I know it's December the 1st. I'm going to pick up a Christmas Carol. Yeah. You know, it's it's not that sort of book. Um, so yeah, I mean this this one for me, this is my go-to. Um, it's it tells the story I need to tell. It's short. I am going to commit a lot of time to it. I know it that well. I can put it on and be doing other things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean like this this year, for example, I was decorating the tree while it was on, uh, which spilled over into other things. But I didn't know. It, a lot of times we do these shows, and I'm like, okay, I need to sit down and actually watch it because. I don't remember enough, or I, I, I'm not familiar. This one, I can do inside out, back to front, upside down. I, no, I, it doesn't, it, it doesn't stop me. I could be doing anything else at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, going forward, I would imagine next year I'll be exactly in exactly the same boat. I'm saying, right, okay, there will probably be an anniversary special of it. I will probably buy it and be watching that. But it'll be, even if there's not, I'll be watching Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, which is fair. And, and you know, I'm sure there are people listening out there that do watch it every year, and. Yeah, more power to you. I'm, I'm, as I said, I just don't purely because there's always a bunch of shit to watch at Christmas. But every oh, yeah. time I do watch it, I enjoy it. I enjoy it this time. I'll enjoy it next time I watch it. And there will always be a little part of my childhood that just has this associated. That just because, as I say, you, you couldn't move at Christmas when I was very, very young without seeing Mickey's Christmas Carol. It yeah. was It was on tree decorations. It was on ITV every year. It was on crackers. I remember the plastic tablecloths would have Mickey's Christmas character, Carol yeah. characters on it. It was every fucking way. It was a. It genuinely was a part of Christmas. Yeah. For me as a kid, and and so there's that associated with it as well, which is always lovely when you go back and watch something like that, especially around Christmas. Yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah. The, the flip side of it is that we we also used to watch him and Shira Christmas special every year. Yes. Having now gone back and done that. No fucking thank you. Oh, it's got its place. Yeah, it's not. It, it does have its place, but I mean, again, if I'm picking one of the two, it ain't that. Yeah, no, it's shit, but it's it's wonderfully shit. 
it's wonderfully shit. And in fact, now we're talking about it, it's been about three years. I may have to give it a spin this year. Um, particularly with all the He-Man love we've had this year, I may have to, yeah. I may have to give it a bit of a spin. Um, just because, you know, Skeletor's never not funny in that. So This is true. This is true. Yeah. Maybe worth a go. But yeah, in terms of Muppet's, uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol, Mickey's Christmas Carol, <laughs> Jesus Christ, just rolls straight off the tongue. Um, in terms of Mickey's Christmas Carol, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, gave me everything I wanted out of, out of a Christmas special. Um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I will watch it again. I've no doubt. Um, maybe, you know, I, I think we've had such a strong run of our Christmas specials because last year, well, saying that, we had the Snowman last year, which, Snowman was, last year. which was shit. Um, so actually, yeah, that's rubbish. We haven't had a strong run. I was just, no. I've, I've erased the fact that we had to watch the snowman yeah, on my mind because I fucking hated that one. So because prior to that, we had Charlie Brown Christmas and the Grinch and all of these things that are regulars for me. Um, and I, you know, I'll still argue that Charlie Brown Christmas stands head and shoulders above pretty much anything. The Grinch just has a special place for me, but Charlie Brown Christmas is clearly the best of all of them. <laughs> Uh, just the Grinch's special and this kind of I guess in all of the Christmas stuff we watch then sits underneath those you know it is it is very very good it is very good I cannot fault it in any way and it you know it's the right time of year to watch it so tis the season whatever that means yeah so you know I don't know if get drunk that? that just means you could drink in the morning don't know <laughs> ask her sister-in-law she knows yeah who knows um <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I, there's not really much else to say about it. I think this is something that I've watched consistently since I was about three, which is far longer ago than I'd like to admit. Um, and yeah, it's something I'll carry on watching. The fact I got to introduce it to the kids last year, and they watched it with me then, they've watched it with me again this year. And it actually helped them this year in much going, you know, going to see the performance this all Monday when they came back, not so much number one, because he's got the attention span of a gopher. Uh, uh, number two, sorry. Um, but number one, she was like, oh, well, that, th- instead of that character, they had this. And instead of that one doing this, this one did it instead. So she also she took it in a lot more. Uh, yeah. And took it in the story more this year than she did last year. But she was able to equate it. And I think if, if I can offer my kids nothing else, a way of appreciating Disney, um, but art in general, and be able, to, you know, be able to take it in a modern context and be able to apply it. I think that's something that I don't know. I, they need to stay for, and that's something that not a lot of no, not a lot of kids do, because yeah. it's not fucking Minecraft or Roblox or other things like that, which I don't understand because I'm old. Um, but you know, it's 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 something I was not. I was really pleased to be able to have that conversation with her, where she was explaining to me that instead of the ghosts of instead of the ghosts being people or figures you recognise, well, one no, one was a bauble, one was a Christmas tree, and one was something else. But she was still able to to understand where they where they fit in. So that was no, that was all really positive. I know that kind of gives me hope that the next generation aren't completely fucking doomed because yeah, at least I mean, they can apply context to stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's, there's something lovely there as well about like, yeah, you've, you've been able to introduce her to, like you said, something like Disney, which is quality storytelling. And hopefully maybe that's something she'll carry through rather than looking at, you know, Roblox or Minecraft or whatever, which there's nothing wrong with that. Look, if, if however kids express their creativity, if that's building giant fucking robot worlds. And I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. It's, 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 it's where you sat on YouTube watching other cats do it. That's yeah. just fucking stupid. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, play I, a dog and bark yourself. I watch a lot of YouTube, but not Minecraft videos. But that's that's, um, you know, that's that's kind of the thing. And I've I've seen a lot of that with number two, but also with other kids that they would rather watch somebody else do it than try and do it themselves. Yeah, that I don't understand. I don't understand no. the whole Twitch. Thing. I don't understand how but, buy you know, buy a game and then not play it because I want to watch somebody else do it instead. No, I don't understand streaming games. Um, but you know, at the risk of sounding like an old man. Uh, but yeah, I think I think there's something lovely to be taken out of that as well. Not just that you've got to introduce the kids to Disney, but also to kind of 
pass on this tradition that you had as a kid and maybe pass that down now and like who knows maybe in 40 years time number one's going to be sat in front of a fucking microphone or on a fucking holodeck or whatever it is now talking about how she's watching this fucking 80 year old special yeah you know that that she used to watch with her dad so there's something in hell inherently magic yeah. about being able to do that and you can't do it with everything you can only do it with something that's going to stand the test of time and that that requires a level of quality and it requires a level of emotional attachment that that yeah. you simply don't get with a lesser product than this so i i don't think you yeah. could pay any higher compliment than that really no no i think you're right um, I may be wrong, in which case, listeners, please let me know. Um, I, I always love being told I'm wrong. I, I get a lot of practice at it, so it's fine. I always love being told about the facts of duck penises. So <laughs> if, if you do have anything further to offer me about duck anatomy, then please do write in and let me know. Yeah, um, maybe I'll skip those ones. I'll just forward them straight to you. You can also um, tell me I'm wrong. It's fine. <laughs> we can argue. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to know. I mean, especially given the age of this and given the fact this has been around. And it, it's not as if there's some Disney stuff. It came out and then it disappeared for fucking years. You never, you didn't see it until Disney Plus came along. This has been around some for Some of it you don't years. even see on fucking Disney Plus. Well, yeah, there's that as well. Looking at um, Black Cauldron. Where are you? Yeah, that, I, I wasn't going to say, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd love to know what people's recollections of this are, what people's thoughts of this are, um, especially comparing it to things like Muppets, um, whereby you, know, you have a very similar product that's fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, by all means, let us know, get in touch um, on Twitter at SMPDPod. You can go to the website, ddpodcast.net, where you can also get our previous episodes and our other shows on Facebook and YouTube with the Double M Podcast Network. So like and subscribe and all that junk on there. Wherever you get your podcasts from, subscribe, leave some messages, and we get back to you as best we can. But until next time. Have a safe, enjoyable, and Merry Christmas, listeners. We'll see you in the new year. God bless us, everyone. <laughs>